Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball. Thank you, Dave Slade, and welcome to another Baseball America College Podcast. I'm John Manuel, along with Jim Schoenert and Teddy Cahill today. Mike Galanana is on assignment in his cube working on the draft. But guys, uh, just hist- I, I believe history was made and this week's college top 25, because I cannot remember in all my years here, everyone's uh, tired of hearing me talk about how old I am, but I can't remember in all my time here a poll where we did not have a Pac-12 team, and we will have to uh, do some research on this, Jim, we're back in the mm-hmm. archives, and the 35 years of archives, so we got to double check. But I'm pretty sure this is the first time there's ever been a Pac-8, 12, or 10 team in our top 25, uh, I'm pretty sure when B.A. started, it was a Pac-8 in Arizona State and Arizona. I don't remember when they joined the Pac-10. It might have been late 70s. It might have been early 80s. But uh, I thought that Arizona State won its last championship as a member of the WAC. So <laughs> maybe I'm wrong about that. But it, it is ridiculous. In to 1978. Not... Ah, uh, 78. So just, uh... so just in the B.A. era, they were in the, Pac- the Pac-10. But it's crazy. No Pac-12 team in our top 25 and the bigger, and you even fought for one. You fought for the Sun Devils. It was a tough call between them and the dirt bags. We wound up going dirt bags. But how? I mean, that doesn't affect you know how they're going to be seated. But we've never seen a big a Pac-10, a Pac-12 season this near this bad, have we? Have you ever seen a power conference have this bad of a year like the Pac-12 is having? I mean, the Big 12 been pretty. Had some down years the last couple of years, but even then, I mean, the Big 12 would have just been a two-bid league last year, but it still had a national seed and a and a host. I mean, there's none of that in the Pac-12. It's just all, there's really only one team, maybe, I guess two, that would be safe bets to be at large's right now, and those are the two Arizonas. I mean, Washington had the, I think I tweeted this, they had as bad a weekend as you can have for anybody, lose two out of three at home to a wazoo who's, I mean, who's, had, who's, who's been the bottom, out the the bottom of the team. And that's, so, that's, so the Huskies go from a top possible host to they need to, they don't have any more margin for error just to get into the tournament. And they're on 49 in the RPI, so that's bubble territory. So And Oregon State. Oregon State Oregon State's probably team. on the wrong side of the bubble. That's the, that's the shocker. We, and they've been trending in the wrong direction. And, and hey, let's, let's be honest. Oregon State is not the team that we thought they were going to be going in because of the injuries. You know, the pitching injuries with the Beavers have been significant. I'm not making excuses for them. It's just the fact. You know, just like Cal would be a very different team if they'd had Dalton Jeffries all year, if Ryan Mason hadn't missed any starts, if Alex Schick had been healthy all year. They, you know, they've had – that's their top three pitchers. All those guys have missed time. Oregon State's top two guys have missed time. So most teams are affected by, uh, by injuries. And most teams don't have the depth to overcome it. I will look at number two in our rankings, Texas A&M, <laughs> that have lost how many guys this year, Teddy? I mean, uh, out of the top five projected pitchers? Yeah, they've been pretty banged up. And uh, and not just, just banged doesn't... up. Like, Hendricks has been healthy. He just hasn't been good. Yeah, so yeah. They've, had, they've had to dip into their depth all year. They've done it with aplomb. Oregon State, you know, not so much. And this weekend to lose to the uh, Civil War to Oregon, the Pac-12 is just wide open, and guys, I just, I'll just i say it again. I mean, obviously I have a morbid fascination with Utah, <laughs> but I just can't imagine a sub-500 team being in first place 
in the ACC or SEC or Big 12 or any league of any note. This is like the year where, like, this is like 1994 when the Rangers were winning the, the American League West and there were 10 games over 500. That's what this is like. I mean, <laughs> no offense to Utah, I've communicated with their coaches and they're just like, hey, yeah, we know we weren't very good in the non-conference. But Utah's still in first place. It's inexplicable. Their RPI is below Seattle's, the wax leader. I'm I'm at a loss for words for the rest of this league of just how bad it. How did it get this bad? I'm just I'm just stunned. Is there a team that you're in your mind that has underperformed? This is the question I'll get to. Is there a Pac-12 team that's underperformed that's been healthy? Or is it really more just due to the health issues that you've really seen it? Well, you can look at USC in terms of underperformance. Um, and Oregon has been reasonably healthy. Uh, I mean, those guys like Crook is right. um, you know, coming back. And you, you know, fully know his health status. But I think those two teams have been he's healthy. He's reasonably not, healthy. He's healthy. He's just not good, unfortunately, yeah, for yeah. him and for them. Yeah. Um, but... Like you're saying, the the conference just has been has been banged up, and they haven't had the depth to overcome it, and that's leading us to a year where Utah needs to catch absolute fire down the stretch just to finish above 500, and yeah. yet it looks like they if they just take care of business, they win the conference. Like Washington, for as bad that's as a weekend as Washington had, and. You know, they might be bubble out. They're certainly bubble, at least. But they are still only a game out, and they do have three against Utah. So if they can get, if they can just maintain it this weekend, they can go to Salt Lake City controlling their own destiny. Right. And, you know, would not get back in the hosting mix by winning that series, but would, you know, could be the Pac-12 champion, you know, without, without a whole lot of, you know, there's nothing crazy that needs to happen there. And I, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the last time UW was Pac-12 champion was 1998, I think, which was the last year of the six-pack where Washington won the Nor the Norpack, and Stanford won the six-pack, and Washington beat Stanford, which at that time had been number one for 14 straight weeks. I believe that's when wow. I believe that's when Stanford stopped being number one. But that might have been the first series that Stanford lost all year. They lost a best of three. Pac-12 championship series to Washington, to Chris Magruder, and I think Ryan Lentz was at third base for Washington. Um, so I think that's the last time UW won the Pac-12 baseball. Um, now Arizona and Arizona State are the other two, you know, the, obviously the Grand Canyon State teams that are in the mix here. ASU's won five straight weekend series, Jimmer. They seem like they're the hot team, at least they're the hottest team in the pac They've got to go to UCLA and host USC, both of whom are under 500 overall, mm -hmm. both of whom are totally, thoroughly middling teams. I thought UCLA had a chance to kind of catch fire here because they were playing a lot of games at home, but didn't happen this weekend. They lost two or three to the Trojans. Um, if Arizona State were to win those two series, I mean, they're two games back. It's not even likely they would win the Pac-12, even if they did that. They could still lose the – they could still finish maybe second in the conference if they did that. Possibly even third, but um, could they host a regional in that regard if they I think won if their they last finished, seven series? If they, yeah, I think if they finished in second and get into the twenties, they probably would. Would be my guess. I think they're so they're thirty-eight right now, and they're I mean they're they've got twenty-one top hundred wins, and they're let's see, also yeah, UCLA is in the top hundred right now, so they can get a couple more. But 
I mean, those are on. They've got so the seven games left. Four on the road. So if they win, if they go say five and two, just pulling a number out there. I mean, they 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 probably. I think they would. Um, it depends a little bit on what the other what these other teams right. are competing with do. But if they can finish in second, I think either them or Arizona. If one of those teams can at least beat out Washington and beat out each other, to finish in second, say, I think that would probably that team would probably host just because there's. Uh, we've, as we've often talked about, there's not that many plays. They're, they're going to want to have some regionals out west, nor that many candidates. Um, i got to imagine they're going to want somebody out there, somewhere to put some of these regional teams. Teddy, but, I mean, it feels like no more than two. You know, a Pac-10 host and a mm-hmm. Big West host, who we presume at this point would most likely be Fullerton. All the Titans going to have to finish things off in the Big West. Yeah, Fullerton has a three-game lead in the Big West with six to play. Three of those are against second-place Long Beach State. Um so they could conceivably clinch this weekend. Um, I don't know that that'll happen. but I think it is conceivable. Yeah, it's, sure. it's possible. And if they do that, you know, I, I, they're looking really good to host. Um, and you probably one of these Pac-12 teams, but, I mean... <laughs> it's not a given, is it? It's not a given, though. And there's not necessarily, I think... A, a glaring need. You're going to have two to four, at most four Pac-12 teams that are regional teams. Yeah. Probably. At most four. Two to three from the Big West. No more than three, right? Yeah, it'll be. I think it's, it'll be three. It'll be Long okay. Beach, Fullerton, and UCSB will still, unless they really go in the tank, they'll are still make sure? it. Are you sure? Unless they really, yeah. Unless I mean, their RPI they're still twenty in the RPI. Really it is that is a team that is uh, back it up though, man. Yeah, they've lost what four of their last five series. Something they are down to just ten and eight. That'll so, teach I mean, them. They, to, that'll teach them to come to uh, to come to the East Coast to play. Basically, since they tied, had that one one and one series at Charleston, they've really struggled. It's like an NFL team going cross country. <laughs> UC Santa Barbara has really not played well since then. Both those teams caught the Lanana Jinx. Ha! <laughs> blame it on Mike since he's yeah. not here. Um, I, I will say that um, the, the, the team that has legs is certainly Fullerton. And I, we know that they are somewhat limited offensively. Um, Timmy Richards had a big year for them. We talked about their offense last week. Uh, I wouldn't want to face Fullerton in a regional because they always think that they're playing better. That team's going to have no fear. I mean, I know it's not all the same guys from last year, but a lot of the same guys were on that team last year that went to Louisville and won a Super against a team that was a lot more talented than them. Let's just face it. Louisville was more talented. Fullerton had a little more toughness, um, dealt with adversity, I think, a little bit better than Louisville did in that Super Regional last year. And uh, I wouldn't want to face the Titans. I wouldn't want to go to Fullerton to play that regional, would you? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a tough one. They're, that's a good team. That's a team that, that's playing pretty well. And, um, you know, they, uh, they play very well at home, particularly. So... That's not going to be an easy place. Whoever gets sent there, um, and then whoever gets paired up with them, if Fullerton is able to win their regional, um, you know that that's not going to be that's not going to be a a, a, a pairing that that anyone's going to be looking forward to. I don't think that's that, that's how I see I see that team as uh, again the best bet in the West to get to Omaha, and this is a team with some real pitching depth. Uh, I, I just like I like Fullerton's team. I think uh, it just seems like Rick Vanderhoek every year figures out his offense as the season goes along, finds ways to adapt and finds ways to get runs. And then, you know, Jason Dietrich does a great job with the with the uh, with the pitching staff. 
the rest of the West, probably the less said the better, really. I mean, that's the, the way the, the Big West works, though, right? It's, it is. It's those coaches, yes, uh, they figure out they figure out how to score runs. It's never, it's never going to be any one of those teams' strength, but they, they all just find a way to scratch runs out. It sure seems that way. Uh, that is not necessarily the way of the rest of the college baseball world. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about, let, let, let's shift to the Southeastern Conference because um, that's where the top of our rankings are. First three teams have been SEC teams for, it just seems like, I know it's kind of been recent, but it feels like forever that Florida, A&M, and Mississippi State have been our top three teams. Uh, none of those teams did anything close to <laughs> Um, shifting us off of that opinion, guys. That was about as impressive a weekend as I can remember for all three of those clubs, considering who they played, where they played them. You're kind of a wounded Vanderbilt team that, you know, Vanderbilt had to go back to back AM and Florida and midweek with Louisville. And, you know, I guess that you'd like to see them do better than two and five, but who's going to do better than two and five facing those teams? Um, even Florida's even impressive in defeat, where AJ Puck strikes out 11 and deals. And that's the game they lose. Um, is there any doubt in your mind that these are the three best teams? I mean, like, what would have to take for what would have these teams have to do to not get to Omaha? What's what are the weaknesses of any of these three teams, Teddy, in your mind that could be exposed in the postseason? Let's start with it. Start with the Gators. Well, I mean, we've seen weekends where Florida has some offensive struggles, and I kind of on Saturday I wondered if this was going to be one of those weekends. Vanderbilt has the pitching, right. obviously, and Kyle Wright shut them out. Kyle Wright, by the way, um, yeah, pretty incredible. Good. Those yeah. are the two games Vanderbilt won in the last two weeks, and he has been dominant in both of them. So I guess any questions about him shifting roles this year seems yeah, to those have been are, answered. Those are answered. Um, but so after they get shut out, they score four runs on Friday and win. They get shut out on Saturday, and Peter Alonso goes down with a broken hand. And I wondered what Florida's offense would do because Alonso has been their best hitter this year. Well, they score ten runs the next day against right. Vanderbilt. So, you know, I know Vanderbilt Sunday is not the same as on Friday and Saturday, but that's still really good. And most teams would take Vanderbilt's options on Sunday into deep in consideration <laughs> on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. So, I mean, if Florida is going to lose, it's going to be a week where they don't hit as well as they can. What do you think the implications there long-term, though, with Alonzo? I mean, like, what's the, what's the, what's the prognosis there? Because uh, for them, if it's prognosis negative, to use the Seinfeld vernacular, they're in trouble. Because he has been, it feels like, their most consistent offensive yeah. player, if not their best power hitter. They said that they're hoping to get him back for regionals. That's the official position of the team, is that, that they think he'll just be out a couple weeks. Now, if that's the case, they, that's not that big of a deal. Um, you know, they go to LSU, and then they have the SEC tournament, and those are very tough games, but they're probably already well set for a national seed regardless of what happens here. But the thing that I worry about is when you hear hand injury, you often that, – that comes with a dip in power. Correct. Times. Yep. And for Alonzo and Florida, that is significant because he has been – their best power hitter. J.J. Schwartz probably has more raw power, but Schwartz hasn't been getting to it as often this year for a variety of reasons. So they really could use Alonzo's power in the middle of their lineup. Um, but that said, they have the depth to overcome this, and you know we'll see what he looks like when he gets back. Just feels like this puts more pressure on Schwartz, more pressure on Buddy Reed. I'm not sure how to pronounce her second baseman's last name. Deacon Lippitt. Lippitt. 
That's not how I would have said it. The first you know, time. I I originally thought it was otherwise, but I've learned through draft coverage and over the last year. Right. Lippet. But you look at Deacon Lippet, and this guy's hitting five hole now. That's that's not what they planned. So it really kind of put. I guess what it really does is put just a little bit more pressure on that pitching staff to be a little bit more fine, a little bit more perfect. Because uh, they have ways to score runs. Guthrie's a, one of the better leadoff hitters in the SEC. You know, they have they have guys up and down. I mean, Maldonado's got power. Rivera's got power. But Alonzo was the presence in the lineup along with Schwartz. So that that seems like kind of a big deal for me. Yeah. I mean, I, that, but but for the, and that's what has been to A&M's credit is that it doesn't seem like they've been phased pretty much no matter what this year with one very big exception that weekend against the Gators. But another impressive weekend for A&M this weekend to uh, go to uh, Columbia and uh, win two out of three like that. Yeah, I mean, they've they've just been doing it all year. They did it again. Uh, they go, they grind out wins. Um, they don't do it in a overly spectacular way. It's right. just they pitch well. They're like the most workmanlike number two team I can ever yeah. remember. They pitch well. They defend. They get timely hits. They you know they get the job done. They, yeah, it is it is rather workmanlike, and I, I think that's fitting for for the coach there. Right. That's that's Rob Childress, um, and. A&M is, they just keep doing it, and they have guys just consistently picking each other up. If, uh, if you know, if Nick Banks slumps for a little bit, you know, not a big deal. It's fine. We'll, you'll get, you'll get it back, and, and we'll, we'll carry you in the meantime, and Hunter Mellon will pick it up, and uh, Michael Barash, and, right. you know, all, all the rest of these guys, and, um, you know, meanwhile, the pitching staff just keeps on, keeps on putting zeros on the scoreboard, and, AM keeps winning and, and it's a very consistent team and, and that I mean that that's just the way they've been and, and that's to beat them you just have you kinda of have to beat them at their own game. That's what Florida did. Florida outpitched them and, right. and Florida is the best defensive team there and, and you know, so they don't make mistakes and you can't afford to beat yourself against AM because they aren't they're not gonna do it. So you, you can't give them anything. They're fielding nine seventy in the league. They have a little bit more. They have a little bit more power than most SEC teams. Not they're not a huge power team, but they do have a lot of doubles power. Uh, Melton and Burke provide a lot of that home run power. But the other thing is that it's a seven or eight inning game with their bullpen. I mean, it's a seven inning game basically with the way that Rob Childers used the bullpen, the way Eckert has been. I mean, is there a better? It's almost bullpen? like they're doing tandem starts. Those two yeah. games they won. Yeah, I mean they're, they're they literally sh- are on one on Saturdays. Right. I mean they they just and it seems like it's a very selfless approach to the pitching staff and that's what I like most about watching A&M is none of the players stand out to me if I watch their games I'm like oh, I don't remember this guy or I, I you know I look at my little google chart and see who I've see who I've taken notes on this year watching on tv or whatever but for them it's just like it's almost like faceless nameless but pound the strike zone I mean they, they don't seem like they rely on one guy if, if Logan Shore is a bad start for Florida on Friday and they can shrug it off because they have other great starters but for Texas A&M, that bad start's going to last two, three innings tops. Rob Children's going to go to the bullpen, and they're going to find someone else who will come in and throw quality strikes. It's just a very, it's just an impressive team. Team, uh, whereas I, I feel like I can identify stars in other SEC clubs. You know, they really stick out in the SEC for that. And Mississippi State, I mean, it's another team that has. I mean, again, what, what if, if there's a weakness to exploit for someone else in the postseason? If there were to be a reason why. Uh, the Bulldogs would not get to Omaha. What, what would you pinpoint, Teddy? What's the, what's their in your mind? What's their uh, kind of nick in the armor for them? It's pitching. Um, 
you know, there Dakota Hudson seems to have gotten it back. He had that that rough stretch in the middle when they, um, you know, he he had to face Florida and A and M. Um, so the, right, that that'll is, do it. That that is understandable. But he is he is back, looking like the the dominant Friday guy. Um, but they have the t- the talented arms. Uh, but Austin Sexton isn't quite. He's good. He's really good. I mean, right. He's he's six and two, three sixty nine this year. But it's not quite what Florida's rolling out on Saturday, right. or, or what some of these other teams can roll out. Um, and they're younger. Uh, you know, when we're talking about Florida, we're talking about a team that went to the World Series last year. You're talking about A and M. You're talking about a very veteran lineup that right. was in Supers last year. Mississippi State didn't make the tournament last year, so that's all going to be. You know, pretty new for them. There are a lot of holdovers from previous years, but there are a lot, a lot of freshmen and junior college transfers playing significant roles for them that don't have that experience. And even the older players are are new and bigger right. roles than they had been. So, I think that's going to be a part of it is just learning how to handle that environment. And they'll be fine. They'll you know be able to be at home, but that is going to be something that they're going to have to adjust to on the fly. Yeah, that. They seem like the, uh, the t- out of those three teams, one of the reasons they rank third is they've had the widest variance of results for Mississippi State. And, uh, those, those, but those three clubs, I feel like sometimes I'm almost taken for granted because they've been so consistent. So I wanted to drill down a little bit on those. And I guess the other SEC team that's really the hottest teams right now are Ole Miss and LSU. Those two teams, was it schedule early, Jim? Or why do you feel like those two teams have gotten hot a little bit? Because it really feels like LSU especially – kind of playing his best baseball right now. And Ole Miss is just kind of silently there, like, in that next tier of SEC teams. But Ole Miss and LSU clearly seem to have, over the last month, have outperformed the Gamecocks and kind of moved ahead of them in this national seed discussion. Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be an interesting call. I mean, for LSU, I think, you know, as we've talked about, they had, you know, have to replace eight starters in the lineup. So that you probably took them a little time to get that uh, together. But I think it has been the schedule a little bit. I mean, they had to go to uh, – so they were at – Tennessee this weekend, so they get. I mean, you know, I was kind of looking at their. A bit for them, I yeah. was looking at their um, kind of how they've. So they're seventeen and ten. And it kind of, it kind of feels like they haven't really, other than taking two out of three from Vanderbilt, you kind of feel like they haven't really beaten the other good teams. Right. But what they've done, including this weekend, is they've swept all the bottom half teams, and they right. have not been swept by anybody. So that's so they keep. You know, you keep going. You know, four and two and all these chunks. That's kind of how they've built this record. Even though Vanderbilt's really their only kind of marquee series, but yeah, I mean they're playing well. They get you know, you're rolling out Lang and Pache, you're going to win a lot of series. And I feel like the lineup's starting to come together. And to go five and zero on the road this week, yeah. Even though Notre Dame and Tennessee are not, uh, they're not, not, not top flight competition, right. but they're still you know power conference teams. And you go five and zero on the road, that's still pretty impressive. Five and zero on the road's always good. I don't care who you're doing it against, and they've won eight straight. And like you said, it really you look at their resume. I didn't want to necessarily rank them ahead of South Carolina. I felt like we kind of had to. Yeah. But that, South Carolina's... They're, they're trending yeah. in the wrong direction. It was a big win for them yesterday to avoid the sweep. Reagan's pitched, what, four and a third out of the bullpen early. So um, that was pretty crucial, I thought, for South Carolina. But th- those two teams as national seeds, I mean, like I feel like if you're going forward, there's no major catastrophe, Florida, A&M, uh, I guess is Ole Miss ahead of Mississippi State in well, that discussion? I've, I've lost had, that series, right? I mean, the problem they have they played four games and split them though because uh, I think they're three five. And one. Didn't they play five? I think it's three. I think they're three and Ole Miss State's three and one against them. I think they only play the one uh, midweek. Yeah, okay. okay, but um, yeah, I mean, I think Mississippi it's State. It's one and three. You're right. 
I mean, I've had um, the four SEC teams I've had have been the Gators, Aggies, South Carolina, and Mississippi State. Or yeah, um, but I mean, the Gamecocks are like we said, they've won one of their last five series, and I probably would be inclined. I think Ted and I were talking about this uh, earlier. You know, right now, I'd be more inclined to give Mississippi State or Ole Miss. Already have Mississippi State. Give Ole Miss a national seed, but especially if Ole Miss were to pull out they a were series to, win this weekend exactly. at A&M. But the that, that's kind of the problem is that they have A&M and South Carolina has Alabama. Alabama. And the other problem, Alabama, I mean, which is not easy itself, but it is easier than. But A&M. South Carolina then swept Ole Miss at Ole Miss, which right. is a big uh, problem to get over if you're looking to get it, get the Rebels a national seed right now. I think they would have to. I mean, like I said, if, if Ole Miss were to go to College Station and win that series, I think they they would be a national. I think they, well, I mean, obviously the SEC tournament can still right. change things, but I think that that I mean they should. I think that should put them in the driver's seat. I mean, South Carolina has not played well for the last. I mean, right? Not they've been bad, but they you know they haven't. They lost to Kentucky. They lose a home day and M, which you would have liked to see them win. I mean, they're at home. You think they should win that? They could win that series, but. It'd be, yeah, hard, it'd be hard to take something away from Mississippi State. They've lost two SEC games. Yeah. I think Mississippi that, State's in good shape. Since I mean, that they're, A&M series, I just see their eight RPI. Yeah, and it's th- I can't see them take. I can't see them not being a national. It's not inconceivable that Mississippi State wins the SEC. They're a half right. game behind yeah. Florida right now. Got and Florida has to go to LSU. Mississippi State gets Arkansas. Yeah, and they're tied with A&M, who has Ole Miss. So, you know, it's it's very congested at the top, and they have the easiest weekend right. to finish. Yeah. Arkansas reeling at 7 and 20, tied with Tennessee last in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this Dustin DePyrick story in the uh, Knoxville paper about Dave Serrano's the last year of his five year contract and basically saying, I haven't done things here that I wanted to do. It's taken longer than we hoped. Uh, Dave Serrano, so a lot of talk about how confident he is and in his job and his coaching ability, that's obviously one to watch for, especially if Tennessee does not make the SEC tournament and they're a game back of Missouri. Arkansas is a game back. But if those two teams don't make the SEC tournament, especially Tennessee, that's that's rough. That's a bad look um, for not, to not make a 12-team tournament. I guess the bubble teams in that league are Kentucky and Alabama, guys, and they're trending in opposite directions. Kentucky in the negative. Alabama, I don't know if they've secured a spot, but they're – they're guaranteed, Jim, at least to be 500 in the SEC. Exactly. Yeah, that, that wins. usually does To me, that does it, right? Yeah, historically, that that's a, a shoe in. So that's know. eight, where we think they're going to have eight teams. Kentucky's the ninth. They are sliding. Rough week. Now, they did just beat South Carolina the previous week. That's a, that, it seemed like that should have kind of put them back in on the right track, but they'd lost with their previous three series there at Auburn, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. Uh, they head to head, good. head to head. They lost to Alabama. Their RPIs are similar. It feels like they've really got to, I don't know about sweep, but win that series against Mizzou, and and not, not sure. and not go south in the SEC tournament. Right? I mean, Kentucky, as a borderline team, historically that has not been good to Kentucky. Right? Yeah, as a I mean, especially team. since this Mizzou series is at home. If you lose. If you were to lose that series, that would really... I mean, Mizzou's 119 in the RPI, so that's not as bad as... You could play worse teams, but still, losing at home to them would In the would SEC, hurt, would hurt you pretty you. much can't play a worse team in, in yeah. the RPI. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and they're... So, Kentucky's 13 Auburn and 4. 135. That's right. There you go. Oh, yeah. There you go. 
don't. That's, uh, um, yeah, I think the committee would give you a little benefit of the doubt knowing that Auburn, what Auburn's gone through <laughs> in the last two years. So things have, it's not always sunny on the plains. With uh, the other bubble team, though, is Georgia. I mean, they only have, they're 10-17 and 17 in the league. They're 500 overall. They've... They have a great RPI. They have a 25 RPI, RPI and they their final four games are midweek against Georgia Tech at, at Turner Field, and then three at home against Tennessee. If they went three and one this week, Jim, are they in okay shape going into like would they? They if, would have if, to do some more in the SEC tournament, I think. Um, they, if they got a sweep, they're, they're 13 and 17. The, that it, does put them in striking. That puts range. you in in range. That gets you on the at least on the radar. Um, I don't yeah, know that beating Tennessee helps your RPI. No. <laughs> no well, really. Tennessee's top 100. It right. at least gives you more top would, 100 been, yeah, so They don't really need the RPI help. They just need wins. Uh, I'm trying to look. So they're... They got so they 10 just, top 50 wins. Out of 29 yeah, games. 10 and, 10 and 19. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot of wins. 10 top 50 wins. It's a lot of wins. Um, I mean, if, yeah, if they sweep, they would certainly be in the mix. I think they would have to... Win probably win at least a game in Hoover to f- really feel good. Um, so they are. Let's see. So That'd they be are, huge for the Bulldogs. They if are. They, if they can go from missing the SEC tournament entirely last year to potentially making the NCAA tournament this year, right? That'd be a huge turnaround for Strickland. Problem is if they so if they only go two and two this week, right? Then they would have to win at least two games in Hoover. They've been in this position before, where they've been yes. five hundred and had. I mean, exactly. this, this was and the, they, this they, was they, the they were able to story. do it that year. Yeah. They were. So going to being able to go to Mizzou and win a road series that was huge. There's a, there's an analog team to Georgia in the Atlantic Coast Conference, and that is Duke. So I'm going to use this as a transition to the ACC. A segue. That is my segue because Duke has not made the NCAA tournament since 1960 freaking one since my since Coach K that nickname was a glimmer in Coach K's eye, but. <laughs> Until losing Sunday to Florida State, Duke had won seven straight. But the most importantly, two of those came against Florida State. They win a home series at DBAP, which they had not done all year in conference. And they had a very difficult conference schedule. They had to play Miami at the DBAP, Virginia. They've got Clemson at, uh, but that was at home at uh, the other, uh, Coombs. at Jack Coombs Field. They had North Carolina, which actually, as it turned out, not difficult, but uh, that's a whole other it story. It was that weekend. They got swept. Yeah, I think you guys, one of you guys saw this weekend. You were there. I, I know was there Friday. Friday. I think we, we both were there. We were there different Friday. days, yeah. What? 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 <laughs> Trent Swart had been rammy That was out of nowhere. He'd yeah. been rammy by everybody. I guess the thing is that Florida State doesn't face a lot of velocity in their own pitching staff, so I guess Trent Swart was tough to hit. Is this just a matter of Florida State? It's just a very, very good team at home, but a pretty modest team on the road, and Duke was able to play its best and win that series? Yeah, I I mean, I was at that tw- Trent Swartz start. That's, and That's um, the best Trent Swartz start in at least three years. Yeah, that was a, it was a good way for him to go out with his final home game, uh, for sure. But, I don't know, Florida State just, they played bad that day. They gave away outs on the base pass. They didn't field particularly well. Cole Sands was fine. Um, you know, they got... Duke got its runs early off of Sands, and then he settled in. Uh, but Florida State just couldn't do anything against Swart. And Florida State's a completely different team outside of Tallahassee. They have won road series, but they're a completely different team outside of Tallahassee. Pretty much everyone says that. That's know? been true for a long time of most of their teams. But this, this, I feel like it's almost been 
excessively so for and this team. It feels like it's getting worse too. Right. Um, right. They're uh, you know they've now lost their last three road series at Wake, at Clemson, at Duke. Um, and if you're in the ACC and you see that those are your three road series, plus they went, they had to play at Pitt, which they won. Right. Um, I mean, you you have to feel pretty good about that. You know, I know Duke has has been playing well lately, and, and Wake is, you know, looking like a tournament team as well, and, and Clemson is in the top twenty five. But I mean, if, if you're going to pick four road series in the ACC, those might be the four that you would pick, and you know they go one and three in them. I mean, that's. They're trending in the wrong direction right now. Uh, it, they had an awful week last week losing to Jacksonville and Gulf Coast in midweek. It was huge for them to come back and get that win on Sunday just to get going in the right, you know, get some something positive out of the week. But now they have to Miami coming in. And, um, I mean, they're, they're a different team in Tallahassee, no doubt, and it's a rivalry series, and there's a lot to play for this weekend. But they really need to get something out of this weekend. They really do. And Miami's been playing very well. They sweep Pittsburgh. That's what you're supposed to do if you're Miami. If you don't sweep Pitt, you feel bad about it. And Miami's that seems like that's the thing is that Miami has done pretty much what it's needed to do virtually every weekend. It's a, it's a veteran team that's playing like a veteran team. The other team in the ACC is Louisville, guys. And we saw them last weekend. We might see them again this weekend because they're at Wake Forest. That's a huge series for Wake Forest, which is uh, at 30 in the RPI, right around 500 in the league. If if Wake Forest were able to sneak out a home series win, that would get Wake Forest for sure into the tournament as a 500 ACC team. They'd probably just win one game, really. I think. And, and I think you're right about that. And, and then not go 0-3 in the yeah. ACC tournament. But it doesn't feel. It feels like winning one gaming as Louisville is That's not a lot of doing because uh, NC State's play, played fairly well this weekend, got swept. Louisville seems like it's peaking. Last year they peaked at about April. And it's not like they fell off the table, but they just weren't their best and, you know, lost that Super Regional. And they still you know, fell just a game or a run short of going to Omaha three oh, straight years. Now, yeah. that, is how, that is how high the bar yeah. is set right now. That Dan McDonald has set the bar that high at Louisville. But, guys, if they don't go to Omaha this year, I'll be, I will be gobsmacked. They just look they are really playing their best baseball at the right time, Teddy. I mean, I... I don't see a, a, a grand, I don't see a big exploitable flaw with this team. No, I mean, when we talked about the flaws for those SEC teams, I mean, you can, you can poke it. I mean, I poked holes at them, and I can poke at Louisville. Um, you know, their lineup, while deep, is not necessarily, you know, if, if Corey Ray doesn't get it done, they have guys to pick him up, but it's not, there's no one next guy. It's an odd, I will say it's an odd lineup that they, you know, I would have thought that Devin Harrison would kind of like be their two-hole guy, and instead they kind of go with the catchers, Fitch and right. Smith. But Smith is hitting so well and has been so productive. It kind of works for them. It's a, it's not the way that I think the average Bear would construct their roster. But I will say this also, with Peter Alonzo hurt, for me, Louisville's the national favorite. They're right where they I thought they would be. No I know way. you're shaking your head. Why no not? Way. Because Kyle Funkhauser is not Alex Fado, and he, he was pretty good. Pretty he was good. really good again yesterday. His last two starts, he wasn't great at Chapel. I, honestly, I wasn't impressed. But State's lineup is better, and Kyle Funkhauser pitched well. He's trending in a better direction. I, and I would take, I would right now, Brendan McKay versus uh, Logan Shore. That's easy for me. I'm taking Brendan McKay. I absolutely disagree with that as well. What? I, I would take. Come the, on. I would take the two, the top two SEC teams over Louisville. 
Absolutely. I would not. Uh, reason I would say that is, A, Peter Alonso. That's a big bat out of their lineup. That's a huge bat. I st- yes, I do like Florida's pitching better. None of those teams has Nick Birdie. None of those teams has uh, Zach Birdie. None of these, all three of them don't. None of those teams has, only one of them has Zach Birdie. But so there's Louisville, a difference maker. Also, the, other, the other hole I will poke in Louisville is that they don't have a bridge to Zach Birdie particularly. That's true, generally. Mm-hmm. But without Peter Alonso, you're not going to necessarily get those starting pitchers out, are you? Not necessarily. I, I, do, I, I think that is a valid critique, but... I, I mean, would like to see Florida I, or they don't, get those, those guys, guys out. McKay doesn't have complete games. Drew Harrington doesn't have complete games. Kyle Funkhauser doesn't. Have, they don't. They're not a right, team that, that has complete games, so they need a bridge, and they don't have a bridge. They do go seven innings pretty consistently. They have they have an army. It, it, it takes a village for them to have a bridge. So I agree with you that they don't <laughs> have that one guy, but they do have options. And I, I'm interested to see when I saw him. Uh, I'm, I'm going to call him Holdscomb. It's not Holdscomb. Lincoln Hensman. Was good in Chapel yeah. Hill. It's was, a very was good a great, team. So, I, but for me, they're the favorite, and the reason why is really good left-handers. If you're going to have a third starter, have it be a senior third starter who, at this point, he doesn't have funk to give anymore with the draft. His that's already he's graduated the draft. He's already been through this process. He does seem like he's trending in the right direction. I like their lineup better than those teams. Maybe I like A and M's maybe a little bit better. I do like Louisville's pitching better than A and M. Uh, Nick Birdie, Zach Birdie, I get their names mixed up. I apologize to the Birdie family for my inability to keep their pitcher, their, their son straight. They both throw 100 miles an hour. You'd think it'd be easy. I'd say the 100-mile-an-hour one, but you can't do that for these stinking guys. That guy's a difference maker of, among these three teams, and he's shown he can go two, he can go three innings. That guy is a weapon that the other teams just don't have. I mean... I don't know. Sean Anderson and Mark Ecker are pretty good closers. They, they are. Ecker's had a better year than Birdie's had, but there's just something different about a hunter with a 90 mile an hour slider. There's just something different. He's the. I know you don't agree, but he is the best closer in the country, whether the numbers say it or not. It is Zach Birdie, and that's the guy I would not want to face out of any pitcher in the country with a game on the line. I wouldn't want to face him. Nobody would. Want, no hitters looking to get their bat to face that guy. They're just not running to the bat rack to face that guy. So. I, I think Louisville is trending in the right direction, and that 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 they're the they're, so they're the anti North Carolina, and that's the other team in the ACC trending in the wrong direction. That's a must win game tonight, I would imagine, guys. Them and Notre Dame on Monday night, ESPNU. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jim, does that, does Carolina have to win that and win the NC State series? Can they get in if they to the tournament? Their RPI is fifteen. Can they get in the NCAA tournament if they don't make the ten team? ACC tournament? Yeah, I mean, it would be... Like, them, be versus, them versus Georgia, for example. Yeah, Georgia, I mean... Well, that'd be... That'd be very, that would be fascinating. Be, be fascinating. I, mean, I would hate to have to make that decision. Um, I mean, so Carolina, they're 11-15 and 15 with four games to go in conference. If they... Yeah, I mean, if they lose tonight, then they would have to win this series with NC State to even have a... I mean, to even have a chance... You know whether whether they get into the ACC tournament or not. Um, no matter what your I mean, last year they had an RPI in the twenties and didn't get in, and that was you know. And they made the ACC tournament last year, and they they played they went two and two in the ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. they they won their they first game. Won it, yeah, they, they won, won their a couple, last yeah, and they beat uh, they beat somebody. I forget who they beat. They beat somebody good in the ACC tournament. But anyway, it might have been. It wasn't Virginia. No, it wasn't. It might have been Louisville. Maybe I don't know. Um, they they went two and two. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, they went two and two. So. But I mean, yes. If they don't, I mean, so the RPI is still 15, which I kind of, I mean, if 
And so Notre and right now Notre Dame is seventy nine. So it was Clemson. They beat Virginia Tech and Clemson okay, last like, year in the ACC tournament. Maybe someone decent. Um, so Hokies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, beginning of the end for the Hokies, but, but uh, they're not looking good. Yeah, I mean, if they so if they lose, I was kind of surprised the RPI actually didn't drop a little more uh, when they lost the one game to Notre Dame. You'd think you know losing at home to uh, to a team in the I guess Notre Dame would have been in the 80s at the time, but, they, but Carolina only fell like two or three spots. But it would drop again if they lose tonight. And and they're I behind mean, Notre Dame and BC. I mean, yeah. obviously they can go ahead of those teams with a win tonight, but yeah. that seems like. They've won on the third game of a series in the ACC once all year. Yeah. It was the Duke series, and that's the only time Jason Morgan's really pitched great in conference. We'll see what they do today. But if you're, wouldn't I mean, shock me yeah. if they went to Zach Gallon on two days rest in some kind of role. He threw 108 pitches, 109 pitches, I think, on Friday. Have him close it out or something. I mean, they have four yeah. saves as a team, so I don't know what they're gonna do. But yeah, I mean, if they're if they finish 13 and 17, say. And don't make the ACC tournament, and have all kinds of negative momentum, which is you know something the committee looks at. They look at your last fifteen game record. And they probably I don't think they would get in if they finished twelfth, say. That's that a struggle record. bus. They are on a they, that's a struggle bus. Those guys are on and when offensively. Their best. I mean, maybe their best. Well, so they have the Oklahoma State series, and their next best series right now is Duke. <laughs> wow. Sweet yeah, road series at Duke. Because the UCLA series hasn't held up for them. It has but, not. So that's Bro- really the only two they've got. Yeah, that seems like that's one where the RPI computer should have a – maybe there should be a um, different road uh, bonus when the road trip is 10 miles or less or 15 <laughs> miles or less. And when you have more fans than the yeah. team. Let's, let's visit real quick on a couple other uh, items on this Baseball America podcast. I would love to talk a little bit about Bryant. I would love to talk a little bit about the Big Ten race, and I would love to talk about the Conference USA race. We had this discussion on Conference USA last night, guys. And I guess we have to touch on the fact that Tulane, by the way, is number freaking 11 in our rankings. The American Conference has started to sift itself out a little bit, Teddy. You were there Friday in Greenville for South Florida and East Carolina. The Pirates uh, won that game Friday, and then um, I I guess they needed your mojo the rest of the weekend. They lose (laughs) a pretty crucial series. Tulane has taken kind of control of this league race now, and Feels like Tulane is in uh, very good shape to, uh, especially if they can win the conference tournament there. Uh, is there going to be a regional at Turchin Stadium? Is that what Tulane's looking at? I don't think so. I mean, they're RPI they're, 31. Um, the geography doesn't help them for sure. I don't think the geography matters that much this year. In other years, it would, but this year, I don't think it matters that much just because of the fact that the West hasn't supplied hardly right. anyone, and the Big Ten is now looking at. Not it's trending towards the Big Ten not supplying one. So I don't think the geography is an issue. What I do think is an issue is that they have an RPI of 31 and that the Conference USA champion is going to have a better RPI than them and, and possibly the top two teams. Right, 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 yeah, right now Rice and uh, US Southern Miss both They're are linked. Ahead of These them. two leagues are certainly linked in baseball. And Yeah, and I think that... Um, you know, one of the, the either either Tulane can host or the Conference USA champion can host. I'm not sure they both can host. So and what they have against Southern Miss is they did beat them twice in midweeks. But Southern Miss, if they went hang on to win CUSA, they're going to have a lot going for them as well. And right, I, I think their resume is going to end up being better than Tulane's. Conference USA is a fascinating race to me. Uh, Florida Atlantic and Rice split two games, high scoring games. 
You have Marshall that didn't play Rice, that's won nine straight games. I don't know if Marshall's necessarily creeping itself into bubble contention. It seems like they are, Jim, at 59, but um, you know, they're one game back in the league. But it really does look like Southern Miss, they have it in front of them. If they want to host a regional, they could put three regionals in the Magnolia State. I don't think the NCAA stuff is going to matter for regionals with the uh, you know, HB2 here in North Carolina yeah, the or the flag NCAA, controversy in um, Mississippi. released something that said that the school, like the hosting institution just has to tell them what they're doing to make it an inclusive space yeah. or something right. to that effect. Yeah. So for regionals and super regionals, that's not an issue. They've always, and they always had them in South Carolina, right. despite all the Confederate flag right. stuff. So. For bigger tournament stuff, the NCAA you know, has that problem. Right. But for for this stuff, they just have to tell them what they're doing to make it. Right. I don't, so I don't think it'll be an issue. Yeah. I just, no. There was an article on, online this weekend that I saw, but I, I think it made too big of a deal of the issue. Yeah, a lot of uh, NC State fans have been asking me about that, too. Right. The, so I don't think it's going to affect but, yeah, them. I don't think Although, it's anything to worry about. Again, the North Carolina thing has been very high profile, more high profile. I think it's almost like a uh, Confederate flag stuff again. Uh, people, people are <laughs> immune to that now, but the HB2 stuff is definitely different. Um, but it's right in front of Southern Miss. It's their form, guys. And they, they go to Florida International this weekend. FIU's under 500. It feels like if they win that series, as long as they don't foul the bed in the conference tournament, go 2-2, and Q, they're going to host a regional, aren't they? Oh, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty safe at this point. I mean, it kind of it helped them that maybe that Rice didn't get to play that third game. So now that Southern Miss can say they're in right. sole possession of first place. Well, I mean, they, obviously they, they did, did beat Rice, too. Rice too. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, if they... They're twenty and seven. If they go, especially if they sweep, they're twenty three and seven in a good conference. Even if they lose a game, twenty two and eight. This is the gonna... top five RPI, or, right? Yeah. Fifth ranked RPI conference. And the other thing against Tulane is that the American is way down yeah. this year. It's the third last year. It's like seven this year. It's just not as good. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Vicente. That's right. <laughs> uh, Vince Lara is our, uh, our American. Uh, he's our baseball America American <laughs> Athletic Conference uh, spokesperson for sure. Um, I do wonder about I'm, – I'm, I'm fixated on these teams that are historical doormats coming through and having big years. Utah clearly has caught my fancy, but now so has Marshall. They've got this uh, 6'6 donkey playing first base and Tommy Lane, who's got 13 bombs, and it sounds like he's more of a oh, – certainly not a bat speed swing, and he can be pitched to, but he has some presence in their lineup. They've got a few guys with some power. This is a team with 53 home runs. Uh, what's their Jim, Jim? As you eyeball their resume, again, this is you know, a, a college that really in college baseball has been Aaron Blair. Before that, Rick Reed. True Str- or uh, Dan Straley. Dan Straley. That's yeah. right. Good call. Great call. Also from Vegas, I believe. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm wrong about that. I thought Dan Straley was a Vegas guy too, as Aaron Blair is. Uh, you've got a guy in Burris Warner, who's a great name, who's got nine saves for them. But this team, uh, uh, it's an offensive club at uh, at Marshall. That's their identity this year. You get the Florida kickback, Parker Danciu. I just can't believe that this team is third in this league, and it seems like they Jim, it seems like their resume is not bad to be an at-large team. They're they're in a Southern Conference, yeah. but they're a Northeastern kind of team geographically. Could they get in? It's uh, they've got a chance if they do if they were to finish ahead of FAU, uh, finish top three in the league. They, it's you're throwing a little cold water on my on I mean, my they are just, herd. So they are just, <laughs> I, I don't know what the, their best series win is Louisiana yeah, Tech. Two out of three at home against Louisiana Tech. I they don't only know have, what their next one is. Yeah, I mean they're only four and eight against the top hundred, so that's that'd be a problem. They have a series loss at Florida A&M, which is 
you know, Florida a and a good MEAC team. Potentially a, a tournament team, but still not something you want. Yeah. I agree. I mean, the strength is the, where they are. The strengths are the standings, just where they are. And the fact they are 13-8 and eight on the road in true road games, which is good. That's something the committee likes. Um, but, yeah, there's not – they just don't really have the quality wins. Right. And the RPI is very uh, borderline 59. Now, it would help – I mean, so they play four games against top 100 teams this week with Wake and ODU. So if they can go 3-1 and one or 4-0, and oh, that would uh, probably get them into the top 50 at least. And it feels like it's tougher for Louisiana Tech. I'm looking for that fourth potential fourth Conference USA team. Mm-hmm. And Louisiana Tech – uh, obviously lost the series at Southern Miss this weekend after winning on Friday, so that's a tough one to swallow. And they've got to go home against Rice. It's certainly doable, but I just think, like, there are RPIs ahead of Marshall, but they lost the head-to-head. Mm-hmm. Marshall's the team that's trending, that's finishing stronger. It feels like the fourth team out of that league, if there were to be a fourth team, should be Louisiana Tech, but it might be Marshall. It I might know, be nobody. I don't, I don't know what their best series win is. Louisiana Tech, you mean? Yeah, they. I mean, they don't. I guess it's Old Dominion. Uh, they have. They won the season series against ULL. You know, they beat Lafayette twice in, in midweeks, and they have some nice midweek wins. They, they beat Arkansas in midweek, but they don't have a weekend series win that is. That makes you sit up and take notice. You're yeah, right. No. They and really don't. So the their resume is weak. Marshall's resume is light. They got light. their chance this week with yeah, Rice. I mean, That's it. If, if Louisiana Tech beats Rice this weekend, there it is. It's it's there for them, but they're going to need that one. And you know, with the number five RPI conference, you would expect them to get maybe to, to be able to push a fourth team. That's in. That's what I'm thinking. But mm-hmm. it's going to it's probably going to have to be on the strength of, of that, not necessarily and, and just the you know the. These teams aren't going to have marquee wins unless La Tech wins this weekend. Or right. if they can get someone get hot in the tournament, the league right. tournament. That's the other right. thing that's out there. Well, I don't think that we anticipated that the Northeast Conference will be a two-bid league. And I don't think it's going to be a two-bid league. But, Jimmer, we, we have uh, you know Teddy wrote, talked to Coach Owens last night. I uh, always have a soft spot for the former LeMoyne coach uh, uh, doing work at, at, uh, at Bryant. Um, Bryant's been good for a while. This is not a new team for the committee to have to deal with but say they don't win the northeast conference tournament bryant's in our rankings this week Mm -hmm. 33rd in the rpi what do they have like 19 road wins is that what off the bat says that what i just read and off the bat uh yes 19 and 6 on the road what 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 would that what would happen to bryant when they've only played so they're they're three and five and against top 100 teams what would the committee do with Bryant if Bryant weren't to win the NEC, if they were to have to try to get in as an at-large team this year? That would be quite the conundrum. Yeah. If I were on the committee, I wouldn't want to deal with that question. Yeah, I, don't know, I wouldn't either, to be honest. I mean, but so if they do, I assume the NEC tournament is double elimination. So, um, so you probably would be dealing with two losses to teams in the 200s, most likely. Which would be bad. Yeah, I mean, unless I guess Sacred Heart is in the 100s, but yeah, I mean that would really that would knock them down pretty far. So they're 33rd right now, and that's with so they lost one game to Central Connecticut, and they do have they do have three losses to teams outside the top 200. So, and as you said, they're just three and five against the top 100. It'd be tough. I mean, I feel like the his, historically, if you. Feels like teams like in that situation usually don't get in. I mean, I it's think a, about the year f- what was it, Rhode Island or something was yeah, in Rhode that Island. situation. That's it. It's a four team. It's a four team double elimination tournament. Yeah. Um, 
in Norwich, which I, <laughs> I'm almost curious. I thought that's when one of the series had been moved for the uh, Yard Goats had been moved to that stadium. So I hope they're still playing at Dodd Stadium. Like it says on the website, maybe they didn't get sent the boot for a double-A team. Um, but it feels like they would, be, they would be in real trouble. It would be. I mean, so their best weekend is the Tony Gwynn Classic. They went 2-1, and one, although really... <laughs> One of those wins was against San Diego State, which doesn't look that uh, right. Hasn't been that. They did beat Kentucky, though. They did beat Kentucky, which also may not be a tournament. But still, it's a, it's a it's a it's a good, not a great. Yeah, win. I mean, they, so the other they lost two out of three to Maryland. I guess that's the other. Yeah, that's their other big marquee. They beat, kind of I mean, they beat series. BC in a midweek game. That's that, they hammered BC in a midweek. So that's that's nice. But I mean, that's that's one of their two top fifty wins. I mean, it's, it would be interesting. I mean, so the 19 and six on the road, true road games, 24 and seven total away from home, that would be very strong. That is strong. But yeah, I mean, if they, so if they were to lose two games, especially if they were to lose a game this weekend, I mean, Mount St. Mary's number 295. That's got like very bad. Win. They need to win. So they, they need, need to, to so sweep Mount St. Mary's. If they, but if they lose twice, they need to win the tournament. Yeah, that's what they need to do. That's that. I, be, I mean, I really close. hope they don't have to win the tournament. I really hope that they have this done already because college baseball needs to have teams like this make the tournament. I agree. A team yeah. that's played, what did you say their record was in, in games away from home? 26 20, and 7? 24 and 7. I mean, like, that's, that's, a, that's a regional team. That's a tournament yeah. team. And when I talked to Coach Owens last night, he, you know, he he wants to believe that they've done enough. You know, he can't, I, we can't know, obviously, but he wants to believe that they've done enough because... He, he said that they've done everything they can. And outside of winning that Maryland series, where they did not get swept, by the way, um, they really have done everything they can. They have these top, the, these bottom losses because their conference plays four-game series, and it's already hard enough to sweep a three-game series, and now you're asking someone to sweep a four-game series that right. includes... Every weekend. Right, that includes doubleheaders. Right. And, uh, I mean, so it's it's just very tough. Which are seven inning games, which Coach Owens is very against. <laughs> yes, part of the because, John Manuel plan, but it does it does. He makes a, a compelling point, Teddy. Explain the well. Process. You know, if you if you play seven innings, you know, the longer you play, the more games you play, the more it favors te- the better team because they are not. You know, it takes the the small sample size becomes lessened. That right. You know, you have more opportunities for the talent to show through. So when you play these seven-inning games like they do on the weekends twice, that um, you know it, it, it means that if you have a bad inning, you have two less innings to make up for that. And you know he, he said it. You know if you hit have a bad inning and hit hit into a couple double plays, the game's over. And you know he's right. And right. I, I don't know that that's necessarily why they have these losses, but these losses do mostly come in seven-inning games for them. And at, you know he doesn't. I don't. I don't know that how many people actually like. The, the way the Northeast Conference is set up, I understand why they do it that way. Um, you know, the weather is definitely a, a big factor in that, just making sure these teams can get their games. But it does make things harder for a team like Bryant, and it's not helping their case right now. But I would hope that the committee could look past all that. That's why we have a committee. That's why we don't just use straight RPI numbers or, or winning percentage or whatever. Um, so I would hope that those guys in that room can, can look at this and understand what this resume is. But yeah, I don't know that it's hard to feel confident at this point. It is. That's why I ask. It really is uh, very difficult to uh, to be confident. Um, last thing, we'll go to the Big Ten, and then we have a couple of Twitter questions that we'll take. Uh, we moved Minnesota back into the rankings this weekend. They're in first place in the league by a half game over Indiana. But guys, this seems like a uh, there's just this 
so many leagues were just so compacted and no separation. And the Big Ten's another one. And for some of those leagues, like the SEC, actually, where there's this compaction, or the ACC, where there's compaction in the middle, it feels like it helps the ACC by giving them more at-large bids. It feels like it hurts the Big Ten, guys, where you need the top to separate itself a little bit more. I mean, Teddy, how many – If I know you don't do – I know it's Schoenerdology, not Cahillology. <laughs> but how many teams do you – how many regional bids do you think the Big Ten deserves – and how many do you expect it to get? Those are two different questions. Those are two very different questions. I think it deserves at least three, probably four. Um, Indiana is the big, like, they deserve a They're bid. They're the matzo ball. They yeah. will not get a bid probably the way it is right now, but they deserve a bid, no doubt. Um, how so many do they get? I think they wind up with three. Um, you know, Minnesota and Michigan are sitting pretty good right now. Uh, Minnesota's RPI is not that great. It's 41 and they have a series against Ohio State, which just swept Michigan this weekend. But it is at home for Minnesota. So if they can just win that series, uh, they probably win the Big Ten at that point, and they'll be fine. Uh, Minnesota or Michigan, with its RPI of 29, even after that sweep, should be fine. They've got a lot of things going for them. Um, and then between Nebraska, Ohio State... Maryland, I get it. They're probably not out. I think Maryland's they're probably, out. Of it. They're probably. Oh, uh, Jim says say. Maryland's out, then they're out. Yeah. But I mean, Michigan's got to go to Illinois. They do, but they better win they a game. To, I, I, they, <laughs> if they just take care of business, they'll they'll be fine. And Illinois is beatable this year. The Sedlock on Friday night is very tough to beat, as Indiana found out this weekend, right? Uh, and many other teams have found out. But if they if Michigan just takes care of business, beats a team it should beat, and it should beat twenty six and twenty two Illinois, then they're in and they're fine, and they're they're done before the Big Ten tournament too. Um, but in Indiana and Nebraska, that's the big series this weekend. That is, mm-hmm. for me, that's the that's a huge one because Indiana, you know, is seeing a half game out. They're playing. They are absolutely one of the sixty four best teams in the country right now, and but their RPI of ninety five indicates that they are not going to get an at-large bid. Um, if they can win this series against Nebraska, the RPI will climb a little bit more. They also have a midweek against uh, Louisville that, that could help them. RPI-wise, it's still going to be very difficult for them to get into any sort of range that typically looks like an at-large team. Right. So I don't know that it's completely out of the question if they go, say, 3-1 and one this week and go win two or three games in the Big Ten tournament. Um but they that's another place where I would love for the committee to look at and be and, and say that this is a team that deserves it. Um, but I you know that there's no there's minimal hope there. I'm having a hard time figuring out why Indiana's RPI is so bad, besides the fact that they played Purdue and Northwestern. But most of the Big Ten teams, not all of them, but most of them played Purdue and Northwestern. But you know, you, you they have thirteen Games against teams 200-plus in the uh, RPI. I mean, are they not supposed to play Butler? That's another Division One team in their state. There's not a lot of those around. They played Butler, what, three I times? I don't think that's what's dragging them down. Toledo? Like, that series? I, mean, they, I, I think the bigger problem is um, they went on that six-game losing streak, five-game losing streak or whatever. That was not... Early in the year, yeah, right? that was that was bad. That was a bad way to start. But and I mean, Indiana that, playing at Fullerton when you don't have right. Schwarber and Travis, <laughs> that 
is the kind of series that you should lose if not get swept in because you're Indiana and they're Fullerton. The other thing is that unlike some Big Ten teams, Indiana actually has decent, though not great weather early, and so they came home before a lot of these other teams did. Yeah, most um, other Big Ten teams don't play their first home game March 11. That's a right. good point. They played. They only went out on the week, on the road for three weekends, and that makes a huge difference. If they'd gone to Western Carolina and to Toledo and to Indiana State, which was their first three home weekends, all non-conference weekends, if they go to those teams, those wins look way better and their RPI is better for it. Now, that's still unfortunate that we're telling a team to go out and stay on the road longer. Right, exactly. Um, but that... If we're looking for for reasons why their RPI is the way it is, it's because they played they played some bad teams, they had early losses, and they don't have as many road games as other Big Ten teams. I think you nailed it. That's a good analysis. They did not play as many road games as a lot of these other Big Ten teams. And one of those early weekends is a, a tournament weekend, so it's all neutral site. And most Big Ten teams have one of those, right? But they only played two non-conference road weekends. And that is probably like two or three fewer than other Big Ten teams, yeah. it feels like. Um, our Twitter questions were, just this, you know, do the Gators have enough hitting without Alonzo to win it all? Teddy, your, 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 your uh, vote is yes. yes. I still vote yes as well, but they're less of a prohibitive favorite. Again, I'm, I've already s- said where I stand on that one. I would take this version of Louisville over the Alonzo-less Gators for me. Um, Jim, where do you stand on that one? I think I would, on a neutral field, I'd probably take Louisville, to be honest, the way they're going right now. I mean, I feel like Florida's offense is good, not great, without Alonzo, and the way Louisville's, as deep as Louisville's pitching is, I, it, maybe I just, because I've just watched them recently and talked to McDonald last week, I don't know, but, maybe, but I think I would, as, as things currently, as currently constituted, I would probably take Louisville. Other question from a longtime listener uh, and many times a tweeter, Tucker Blankenship, NC State superfan. Does the ACC get six hosts for first time ever, I assume, if Clemson and NC State take care of business this weekend? I haven't mentioned Clemson. Mm-hmm. And, it, and they're like North Carolina to me and having an inexplicably high RPI. I mean, yeah. but Clemson really kind of, I guess we do have an explanation. They won two out of three against South CAC. Uh, Six ACC hosts? That feels just like too many, but is yeah. it possible, Jim? Uh, well, yes, it is possible. They're all RPIs are high enough. Um, I the mean, if guys Clemson, are pumped and jacked. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the more, it's just like all these ACC teams' RPIs are just feeding off each other now, so it's impossible for any of them to get knocked down. Unless, okay, unless you were to lose to Virginia Tech, that's pretty much the only way you can do it. Right. That's um, the only non-top 100 team. Yeah. Not only that's, only that's the only team in the end, ACC with an RPI below 80. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so so Virginia, you get to host the Hokies this week, so don't lose. But um, <laughs> that's but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Other than that, I mean, so NC State they get swept. They're still number six in the RPI, even though they're only thirteen and twelve. I mean, if they lose the North Carolina this weekend, they would be in trouble as far as hosting. At least I think so. Yeah, I don't think they'd only host. be five hundred. I don't think they'd host at 500. No, I, I don't think so either. I think between them and Clemson, to me, if it's like a team that's over 500 in the yeah. league, and then that plays well in the conference tournament, that at least goes 2-1, and one, uh, that's the yeah. team that you like better. But Clemson, so I would say, like, for both those teams, you need to shoot for three more wins. Which would, you rather ha- which would you rather be, NC State at home against North Carolina or Clemson at Notre Dame? Wouldn't you rather be State at home, even yeah, though they're playing so. a, 
I think a more talented the team way, in North the Carolina. The way UNC is trending, I think I'd rather be playing them at home. That's it. I mean, North Carolina, if they don't get a shutout, basically from Gallon and Bukowskis, it's very difficult for them to win. So that's kind of how they're trending. Uh, appreciate the questions, though, guys. Anything else, Teddy, you wanted to hit on before we uh, before we go? Eric Lauer, no-hitter Friday. Yes. Uh, he continues an incredible season, sure to be an All-American. Um, Kent State also wins the MAC. And we've had no MAC talk this year mm-hmm. at all. I sneak it in every, every once in a while. I sneak it in. In but, the podcast? Uh, yeah, it's happened. I mean, like, but Kent when, State's uh, always... When Jeff been, Duncan won his 100th game, I threw that in. But they're <laughs> 71 in the RPIC. If they don't win the tournament, no, they, they're yeah, not getting in. They're, um, which is uh, unfortunate. I don't know that they deserve it, but, uh, I mean, that would, it would be great to see. But, no, they're, they're in the position where they need to win the, the conference tournament, but they are also far and away the best team in the MAC. Uh, but, the, you know, but the Valley's a one-bid league. Mm-hmm. Is, is the Sun Belt a one-bid league? Or is it no, a two I think bid that's two-bid. I think both South Alabama and Lafayette are, are safe. Yeah. South Alabama had a chance to win the, the league at home this weekend facing Lafayette. They couldn't get it done. Lafayette wins that series. But South Alabama just wins like one game yeah, this weekend. They still have a two-game league. And, yeah, yeah. They're, so they'll, they'll wrap it up this weekend, win the regular season for the second year in a row. Lafayette has the RPI and yeah, everything else of, to do it. So yeah. That was kind of Lafayette's last stand as far as whether they could host or not. I mean, they needed to probably sweep that series. They did win. Right. It's hard to see them not, hosting yeah. without that winning. Would, yeah, I mean, even if they go the and win the tournament, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but. I wouldn't think so. How about the uh, how about the uh, kudos for Princeton for coming oh, yeah, back Princeton, and winning the Ivy League? For, yeah, almost. So they, they lose the first game in the three-game Ivy League championship series to Yale. Um, Which has had, had quite an athletic year, the Yaleys have. They have. Uh, and then, so Princeton wins game two and forcing the game three, which Yale leads one to nothing going into the bottom of the ninth when Yale cannot find a pitcher to throw a strike. And Princeton walks it off on a hit by pitch and a wild pitch. That'd be painful. That's, that's, that. that's ugly. That's but Princeton, first team in, first time they're in the tournament since 2011. So the Tigers are, uh, we'll, we'll be finding out where they go in a couple weeks. Scott Bradley's been there a long time, always has had a lot of pro guys. I mean, I just put something in the back the other day. You can search it at baseballamerica.com on our content management system. Search for Chris Young. You can find the story from 1999 that Mark Darewitz wrote about the basketball playing pitcher, Chris Young. Who was uh, and, and uh, you know Scott Bradley's talking about him in that story. So Scott's been there a long time, ex big leaguer, knows the Ivy League, and uh, kudos to Princeton and the Tigers. Uh, my sister's alma mater. Well, that's her. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm bragging, but one of my sister's <laughs> alma mater. So uh, uh, she's always uh, always a soft spot in the family for Princeton. Although my brother-in-law works at Yale, so there's a little, there's a little internecine uh, <laughs> manual family battle there. But uh, I also just love looking at uh, on the Warren Nolan page when you go to the conference RPIs. I love that uh, the independent rank, which only has one team right now, New York Tech, NYIT, sorry, that New York Tech is ranked ahead by itself in the RPI of the SWAC. Just all by itself. The SWAC's non the SWAC as a as a conference has thirty-two wins cumulatively. Oof. It's won basically seventeen percent of its non conference games this year. And uh, that's most, ugly. So that you said thirty two? Uh, 32 wins, yeah. I think a third of those are Alabama State. I'm sure. Like, I'm pretty sure Alabama State has 10 non-conference wins this year. I'm pretty sure they went 10 and 15. It's, it's ugly to, uh, you're correct, they're 10 and 15 non-conference. It's just ugly in the rest of the swag. So, um, I, I, I mean, I guess non-conference is basically done. We'll see what happens in the postseason. The ACC and the SEC have such amazingly similar 
non-conference records. They've both won 255 non-conference games. The ACC cumulatively has two more losses, 83, SEC with 81. That explains why these two leagues are at the top of the SEC, uh, are at the top of the RPI, and why they're going to dominate regional hosts. And uh, so we'll do a Facebook Live when we do the uh, when the selections are uh, are made. Uh, we, I meant to do one today, actually. I meant to put the the camera on a swivel and record this, but I didn't do it, guys, because I'm an idiot. So, <laughs> um, and we will we will uh, have much more analysis for you, both at BaseballAmerica.com on our Facebook page, on the Twitter. He's at Jim Schoder, BA. Teddy, what is your, is it just yeah, at Ted, Ted Cahill? Cahill. Yeah. It is just at Ted Cahill. I'm at John Manuel BA. So uh, we'll have Mike Lana back in here sometime soon. And uh, for you, these guys, I'm John. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage.